Our reading this evening is James chapter 2, starting to read at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is God's word. On we go in the book of James. Let me lead us in prayer and then we'll begin. Our great God and Father, we want to be those who are not just listeners of your word. We want to be doers of your word. We thank you and praise you. Uh, for those of us who are Christians, we know that the, when we became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you planted your word within us and you are transforming us and changing us, making us more like your son. Would you be about that work this evening? We ask it in his name. Amen. Now I'm going to show you some pictures and uh, you can tell me what's wrong. They're not complicated, okay? It's fairly straightforward. They'll appear on the screen or at home. Uh, I would say shout them out, but we're not allowed probably. Um, but the, but the car has no wheels. That is useless at getting you to church on time or uh, anywhere. That's fairly obvious. It's useless. Uh, this pool has no water. And if it's in the UK in January, it's outside. Or February. What are we now? February. Oh, Valentine's. Uh, um, it's useless. It's useless. A swimming pool without water is useless. Uh, okay, you'll get the theme. What's the problem with this phone? It's dead. It's got no power. It's useless. You see the theme? A car without wheels, useless. A pool without water, useless. An airplane without wings, useless. A phone with no power, useless, dead. And a faith without works, useless, dead. That's the very simple point this evening. Three times you get it. Verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. That is a strong word, 
James does not say your faith, if it isn't accompanied by appropriate actions, is weak, is deficient, is substandard. He says it is dead. So if you want one picture for this evening, this is it. Dead. That is a dead cat. If you're wondering, it's dead. I don't know if cats do that with their legs when they die. I presume not. But anyway, that's how they get drawn in cartoons. Dead. It's so important to be clear. Verse 14 is a warning. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Implicit answer, no. So James is writing to Christians or people who call themselves Christians in the first century. They say, we're believers. We're saved. He says, no, you are not. You want to be clear on that. kind of worse if you think you're safe, but you're in danger. So imagine your, your, your flat, your house at home, and, um, which you share with, uh, you've, got, you've got a few housemates, and uh, three of them, this is a menagerie of housemates, uh, three of them are incredibly heavy smokers, just all that, that's who you, you want to be with in lockdown, this is hypothetical, this is not my family. Um, the, uh, they're all incredibly heavy smokers, you know, chain smoking away, and uh, they quite often just leave their fags in the ashtray, and your friend or your parents comes round and says, darling, I'm very worried about you. Um, that's because that's how your mother calls you. Um, um, and not your friend, probably. Uh, but um, someone who likes you says, look, mate, darling, uh, I'm a bit concerned about you. I, I think you're going to have a fire in this house and you could be in trouble. And you say, no, no, I'm fine. Look, I have a fire alarm. And they say, yeah, but look, the wires are hanging out and it's got no battery. And you say, I have a fire alarm. And they say, Look, thicko, it's useless unless it's got a battery. You think you're safe, but you're not. And James says to his audience, that is you. Now, we're going to work our way through it. I don't think it is many here. But we've got to hear the warning, just in case. You may have a faith, but if it's without accompanying deeds, it is a dead faith. It will not save you. If you are joining us then, uh, we've been working our way through the book of James, a very practical letter which he writes then to churches in the first century, and they seem to be deceived, this group of churches. It's certainly the word that came up numerous times in chapter one, three times. Are you deceived? And, and here in chapter two, it's a searing observation. There are some of you, and he's quite happy to say, verse 20, you're foolish, literally hollow. You are hollow people. There's just a veneer to you. You're fools. You think that just professing, claiming the name, oh, believe in Jesus, that's it. But there's nothing that goes with it. And James says, if you have faith in Jesus as your Lord, you also follow him as your savior. If you genuinely have faith in Jesus, chapter one, his word is planted in you. It will transform you. The New Testament has no category 
for a Christian believer who doesn't grow, for a Christian believer whose lifestyle isn't commensurate with their profession of faith, that is a zero category. There's no one in it. You're just deceived. It is actually a very straightforward passage. Okay? The point is just this. Faith without deeds is useless. That's it. Faith without deeds is dead. And he gives us four little examples. Two negative, two positive. And that's what we'll work through. So the two lots of two. So we're going to say this, faith without deeds will not save you. And he gives two negative examples. And then faith proven by deeds will save you. And two positives. Okay. Well, four things essentially we'll work through. First then, the, the negatives. Faith without deeds, it just will not save you. Negative first one. First of all, uh, warm words. That's no good. Verse 15 to 17. Suppose, suppose a brother or sister without, is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, ah, well, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Oh. Now, evidently, this is going on in some of the churches, this sort of behavior. So we had it last time, or a couple of weeks ago, rather, in chapter 1 and verse 27. Uh, clearly, some were deceived, and they weren't taking care of the orphans and the widows in their distress. Uh, that was taking place. So this is an issue for them in the first century. And um, clearly, here there, there are some hopeless, useless, dead Christians not they're just ignorant of the problems in the church. Plenty of us would be clueless about those who are struggling to pay their rent or struggling to feed themselves. We just wouldn't know. He's not criticizing a lack of knowledge. But here, it seems very much to be known. Suppose a brother or sister, so it is a member of the church family, is without clothes and daily food. So it's a known thing, it seems to me. And someone says to them, oh, you've got, you got problems, have you? Well, I hope the Lord sorts them out. Um, well, some things you might pray about in that vein, but a lack of food, a lack of clothes, you can sort that out. Sort that out quite quickly, actually. If someone can't afford, afford food or heating, words don't help. And it seems here there's a sort of just a callous indifference to the realities of people's lives. I come to church, uh, but, but, you know, emotionally, I want everyone at an emotional social distance. I don't want to emotionally get involved in anyone's life or practically. And so he says, well, do you know what? Verse 17, faith, if not accompanied by action, is, is that's, that's what it is. It's useless. It's like saying to someone in the church who can't feed themselves, hope you go well this week. It's useless. It's a faith without deeds. So warm words, not good enough. And then verses 18 and 19, sound doctrine is the second negative. Just to have sound doctrine without deeds. So verse 18, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. So James sort of takes up with an imaginary opponent or perhaps a real one. Uh, he puts it quite starkly. I don't think anyone's ever said to me, you have faith. I have deeds. But I, you know, some, you get it heard a bit more like this. Your church is, is all about social activism. Our church 
is all about sound biblical teaching. That sort of binary duality, sometimes you get distressed in those terms. And James says, that ain't good enough. Don't do that. You need both. Otherwise, you're just hypocrites. Verse 18, well, show me your faith without deeds, so I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Let me take just one example. Verse 19, you believe there's one God. Good. Well done, you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Wow. You can have sound doctrine. You can tick the right responses in a quiz on what does the Bible say and go to hell. Wow. Be judged. Just like the demons. Wow. In fact, I think he's saying, verse 19, the demons are better than you. <laughs> uh, they hear their doctrine, and at least they shudder. Uh, they think, well, I don't want to follow the Lord, but I, don't, I know I'm in trouble. Um, you hear it and don't do anything. You're even worse. At least they have something commensurate with what they've heard and what they believe. He's saying, look, faith is not a membership card. You don't just sort of, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's all right. Here I am at the gates of heaven. Uh, this is boots. That won't get you into the gates of heaven, by the way. Uh, but it's not just a membership card. You just get out and go, yeah, I, I got one of those. It, it's life. It's how you live. Because if you have a genuine faith in Jesus, that faith will change you. If you come to him as saviour, you will come to him as Lord. You'll obey him. Of course you will. It's just normal Christian living. I've been struck the last few weeks. Um, on Tuesday nights, we've uh, had a, a terrific gang at uh, Honest Questions. And um, pretty much every week, apart from maybe one, I couldn't quite remember, but I think pretty much every week, I'll be corrected afterwards, but someone has asked a question along the lines of... Um, so let me just get this straight. If I became a Christian, if I put my faith in Jesus, God forgives me because of what Jesus has done. And then I could live how I wanted. Is that right? Because if Jesus forgives me everything I've done, I can do what I want. Is that right? That doesn't sound quite right. Um, and you think, oh, good, there's some understanding growing there. But even the unbelievers are saying, that can't be right. You can't just say you're a Christian and live how you want, can you? That, that can't be right. Correct. <laughs> that isn't right. James says it's not right. You can't do that. And sometimes I think people are asking that question for themselves. Oh, can I, can I do that? Sometimes I think because they know Christian hypocrisy. They've met Christians who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and yet they've seen how they lived and thought, what? But, Huh? I was uh, listening to the radio about a week or so ago, and extraordinary little news, snippet of a news report. So you may have picked up on the press. A guy called Dominic Ongwen. He was a military commander. He led the Lord's Resistance Army in Uganda. And uh, last week, uh, a massacre, thousands. Last week, he was uh, convicted by the International Criminal Court, convicted of murder attempted murder and rape. 
while he was leader of the Lord's Resistance Army in Uganda. And then the, the next sentence in the news report was, the Lord's Resistance Army are Christians who seek to impose the Ten Commandments by force upon the population. Now, I get, you know, it's a news reporter, they're just reading out the script in front of them. But of course you hear that and go, what? What? Hold on a minute. They're seeking to impose the Ten Commandments. Commandments that are a bit like, do not murder, uh, do not commit adultery or commit sexual immorality, uh, don't lie. And their leader has murdered and raped and lied. What? How is he a Christian? He's not a Christian, for goodness sake. You can call yourself the Lord's Resistance Army. There's nothing, you know, that's just the worst possible hypocrisy out. James would want to get the Bible and... But he does stop calling yourself a Christian, for goodness sake. You can't do that. It's just rank hypocrisy. When you trust Jesus as Savior, you trust him as Lord. I have faith in you means I will follow you, means I'll obey you, means when I put my faith in you, I repent of all that was wrong and I live your way. That is faith. Faith without deeds, it will not save you. Those are the negatives. Those are the negatives. Uh, let's pick up the pace a bit and do the two positives because faith proven by deeds, it will save you. And this is normal Christian living, okay? Faith proven by deeds will save you. Two examples. First of all, you get Abraham's sacrifice. Verses 20 to 24, Abraham's sacrifice. James writes, you foolish person, you empty, hollow person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Well, what's not our father? Let's go for a big hitter. Our father, Abraham, he's writing predominantly to a Jewish audience, I think, who have become Christians. Was not our father, Abraham, considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, describing here, the situation is in Genesis chapter 22. A little bit of context. Genesis 12, God is called Abraham. Genesis 15... God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, see the stars in the sky? Your descendants are going to be like that. Your descendants are going to be like that. And they're going to come through your son, Isaac. That's how it's going to happen. Chapter 22, the Lord says, you need to sacrifice Isaac. It's an extraordinary story. But Abraham says, no, 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 hold on a minute. God is asking me to do something. I've waited 20 odd years for this son, Isaac. But God has promised that through him, I'm going to have lots of descendants. So somehow, I don't understand how, but God is going to work this out so I can trust him. That's the flow of it. Now, some will know that uh, people look at this passage in James chapter 2 and go, well, it just completely disagrees with the Apostle Paul. And here's the sort of bluntest example of that. We've got the two verses. You can put them side by side. And people put these two side by side and go, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Romans 3.28, Paul writes, a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. James 2, James writes, a person is considered righteous. Righteous is just the same meaning as justified. By what they do and not by faith alone. 
So Paul says you're justified by faith, and James says you're justified by faith and your deeds. And you say, well, how do those go together? Well, they're saying much the same thing, just from different angles. If you have a little table, when... The, the, the thing that makes it even more extraordinary is both actually, you can see from the footnote, both Paul and James quote from Genesis 15 and verse 6 to make their point. <laughs> well, what's happening here? Well, Genesis, if we have the little table, uh, Andy, uh, Genesis 15, God makes this promise. Offspring will be as numerous as the stars. Abraham trusts the promise. And we're told at that moment, God says, Abraham, you are righteous. You are justified. You're in right relationship with me. Because salvation is by faith alone, without any credit going for what we do. Later on, Genesis 22, Abraham has his faith tested by God in a James chapter 1 sort of way. Faith is tested. Abraham says, well, okay, I can trust the Lord, so I'll do what I'm told. He'll work out a way for this to happen. And at that moment, Abraham's faith is proven. When does he get the status of justified? Or when he trusts God? What happens later on in chapter 22? His faith is proven. Verse 22 in our passage here, it's made complete. It's uh, verse 24, demonstrated or considered righteous. Our salvation, if you're a Christian, it's by faith alone in the work of Jesus. But you demonstrate that, you prove it by how you live. Let me put it in different terms. Uh, back in 1990, a couple of years ago, uh, I received my first driving license and uh, was able to drive. And at that point onwards, I, uh, I knew my dad knew lots about cars. I mean, my father was a highly competent man in many, many ways, but uh, I didn't give a hoot about cars until I had to drive one. And then he would sort of pull it open and say, let's pull this out and pull this out and um, not aggressively like a gorilla or something, um, but you know, with screwdrivers and things, uh, and he could dismantle an engine, and it was just phenomenal, phenomenal sort of, and I was like, yeah, whatever, um, and, but I trusted my father, you could, say, you could have asked me age 17, I said, I trust, I have faith in my father's knowledge of cars, but it cost me nothing. About a decade ago, I, our car was on its last legs and we were going to get a new car, not a new, new car, but you know, second-hand car. We were going to buy a car and I'd be talking to my dad, you know, what do you think? And, you know, get? and I was taking his advice because I trust my dad's advice. And then one day we turned up at their house and um, this is typical of him, you know, we arrived and he opened the door and just handed me an advert and said, buy that. So, oh, okay, hello. Uh, but that was just sort of, you know, very practical man, buy that. Enough talking, buy that. And I said, yeah, it's going to cost several thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah, buy that. Buy it. Now, at that moment, how much did I trust my dad's opinion of cars? But I haven't driven it. I haven't seen it. I know, buy it. Just do it, ring them up now before it goes. Now, at that moment, a faith was required that cost a few thousand quid. At that moment, my faith is demonstrated. That's what's being spoken about here. Abraham always had faith in God. But in the instant Genesis 22, with Isaac, his faith is proven. Something's on the line. Faith is proven by deeds. That'll save you. 
Rahab very briefly, Rahab verses 25 and 26. Rahab's loyalty is another demonstration of genuine faith. We turn from this great patriarch to a non-Israelite prostitute. Here we are in Joshua chapter 2, very quickly the story. Israel is about to invade and uh, capture the the, the city of Jericho. And uh, so they send some spies in to scope out the city before they invade. And, uh, but the spies are rumbled by the secret police and they hide in Rahab's house and Rahab says, hide in, hide in the cupboard, uh, well, up on the roof actually. And um, then the police come round, secret police come round, have you got some spies here? They went that way uh, and sends the secret police the other way. And so she sides with the Israelites and not the city, the Jericho police. And the spies say to her, why did you do that? I mean, if you'd been caught, you'd have been killed. That's very risky. And she says, uh, Joshua 2.11, because the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. In other words, I've got faith in your God. And I'm proving my faith in your God because I'm siding with you and not the city of Jericho. But it's risky. Ah, that's faith. Something's on the line for her there. For Abraham, his son is on the line. For Rahab, her life is on the line. Their faith is proven because they act. They have deeds. And so the conclusion, verse 26, is the body without the spirit is dead, or body without breath is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Very practically. Two little things. Uh, The first then, look negatively, let me put it in this way. If you're a Christian, you just can't claim you've got faith in God unless your actions back it up. You've read the same passage as I have. You can't do it. Now, caution, all of us have a gap between what we claim to be true and how we actually live. There's a gap for all of us. We say, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't get angry. I know that's true. I do get angry. I'm a Christian. I should never envy. I know that's true. I do envy. Look, we we all have a gap. What are you doing about it? The Christian has it as an ambition to close the gap. He's not content. Doesn't say, yeah, there's a gap, but I don't care. Yeah, there's a gap, but stuff you. Who are you to tell me that I should close it? The Christian always tries to close it, make progress. So a question, a question to ask after is a question to ask in your groups uh, this week. I wonder what area in my life has the largest gap between what I profess to be true and how I live? It's a good question to ask one another. Practically, are there people we should be helping? You can ask the question in different ways. That's a negative way of applying it. More positively, positively, you look at these examples, Abraham, Rahab. Wow. Willing to sacrifice what they cherished most trusting God, willing to recklessly, I don't know if you're Rahab, but willing to side loyally with God's people, even though there's a cost, because of your trust in God, a demonstration of your faith. If you have faith in Jesus, you follow him. And we have a saviour who trusted his father, and that trust is seen in his actions, in his willingness to endure not just risk, but death. Yeah, if you trust Jesus, you follow 
him. And when you see it in others, it is lovely. See, here's another good thing to say afterwards or in your groups this week. Who, where have you seen this, an individual whose faith has caused them to take a risk, sacrifice something costly like Abraham, loyally side with God's people at cost of themselves? Where have you seen that? You seen that in someone? Say thank you for the encouragement that it is. Because some of us need to hear this as a rebuke. If you trust Jesus as Savior, you've got to follow him as Lord. There's no faith without repentance. There's no faith without deeds. And for some of us, that is a rebuke. For lots here, this is how we're trying to live. We fail. We get it wrong. But when you see someone take a risk, sacrifice, side with God's people, let them know. It's really encouraging because it's faith in action. Let me lead us in prayer together. Our great God and Father, we thank you for the honesty, realism of the scriptures. And for some of us tonight, maybe, maybe we need to hear this as a searing word of rebuke. That claiming faith in Jesus when our actions are not what he desires, when we are content to have sound doctrine but not to act upon it, content to be indifferent to the lives of other Christians around us. Here's a rebuke, Father. And would we hear it rightly? But would we also be encouraged when we do see faith which takes, excuse me, takes risks, faith which is loyal to your people, faith which makes sacrifices, because we trust in your goodness and your ability to provide. Would we have that sort of faith, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.